Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Bruins score three times on the power play, but the Lightning win in a shootout in Boston 4-3. They take 8 out of 12 points on their six-game road trip as they get set to come home Saturday against the Avalanche at Amelie Arena. USF senior quarterback Blake Barnett will undergo season-ending surgery on his ankle that he injured in the second half against SMU. That may end his college career, although he could possibly apply for a medical redshirt. He's already taken a redshirt once before. Chiefs win on Thursday night football, but Patrick Mahomes leaves the game with an injury. And the Astros take a 3-1 series lead over the Yankees. Game 5 coming up tonight where the Astros could clinch and face the Nationals in the World Series. I'm Steve Versnick, filling in for Rick Stroud, who is back from Europe, but uh, had some things come up, so he couldn't make it on the podcast tonight. So he'll be back on uh, Monday's podcast. Uh, we'll recap all the weekend of NFL football and stuff. But we'll start off with the Lightning, who went in Boston 4-3. to They really dominated this game in even strength play. I thought they had a lot of control of the puck. I thought they, they carried play most of the time. Um, you know, the Pasternak, Bergeron, Marchand line will still get some, they'll, they'll get some puck possession and some time in the zone. But I really thought the Lightning handled their business today five on five. The penalty kill, well, that's another story. They gave up three power play goals to Boston. Now, granted, Boston's got one of the best power plays in the game. So that's part of it too. But John Cooper even talked about this during the game. You cannot take five penalties, and that's what they've been doing on a consistent basis now. Mm-hmm. Take a five game, though, and uh, um, it's a testament to the team to lose the special team more 3 nothing and still win the hockey game, but it should never have gotten to that. You get the 3-2 you know, lead, and that's got to be, it's over. The game's got to be over there. And, um, you know, we let a point slip away to a division rival that we didn't think we, uh, we should have. And, uh, you know, it wasn't just the penalty kill giving up three. The you know, power play, had, I think, they had two chances in the first period, and, um, you know, we did nothing with it. So an area that's definitely got to, um, you know, we've, we've got to improve, and, um, you know, if we want to move forward here. And this is a point of contention that Steven Stamkos and John Cooper and the team talked about as training camp started, and they assessed kind of what happened last year and, and what they need to work on this year was that, we can't take the dumb penalties. We have to stay out of the penalty box. We have to play smart hockey and and, and make the simple play in that. And through seven games, it, they're still taking too many penalties. This team is too highly skilled to take this many penalties. There's no reason for it outside of you're just you're making the, you're you're trying to take the easy way out of things instead. Um, it, it's something that you know. Look, they overcame it tonight, and and as John Cooper said. Kudos to the team for doing that. Uh, you know, you give up three power play goals and win in, in the NHL. That's, you know, that's a pretty good effort on your team. And you didn't score a power play goal either. Uh, they go the Lightning went zero for four on their power play chances, and it actually didn't look good on the power play either. Um, that's how much they carried play in this game five on five because in in special teams they were completely outplayed. I mean, Boston's power play was better and their penalty kill was better tonight. So, um, you know. Good on the Lightning, though. 
you give up three power play goals and you win this game. Yeah, you gave up a point in Boston uh, to a rival, but at the end of the day, you're seven games in the season now. You're four, two, and one. So you've gotten nine points out of a possible 14. Eight out of 12 points on your road trip. Look, anytime on the road, the, the saying is, is you want to take, you know, you want to get 75% of your points at home and you want to get, you know, most coaches will tell you number of games on the trip plus one. That's how many points you want to get. So this was a six game road trip. You'd be happy with the seven points. You took eight of those points on the 12 game road trip. So look, the schedule is not easy for the Lightning. They opened against Florida. They then went and started a back-to-back the next. So it was Florida and Carolina that weekend. So you played three and four days. That started a six-game road trip. Granted, the team did come home in the middle for a couple days because they had it from Sunday to Thursday off. So they did come home after Carolina before they went to Toronto. But you went to Toronto, uh, Ottawa, Montreal, and then Boston. So Toronto and Boston are you know, projected to be really with the Lightning, the three best teams in the Eastern Conference for the most part. Possibly Pittsburgh or Washington or uh, Carolina sneaks up there. And Buffalo's playing really well right now, too. So you have that. Now you're coming home for three games. You've got the Avalanche, who might be the best team in the Western Conference. Record-wise right now, they look like it. Then you're getting the Penguins and then the Predators. So those are three of the top teams in hockey as well. Then you're going to go on the road for three and four in New York. You're going to play the Rangers, the Devils, the Islanders. And then you've got to go to Sweden for two games against Buffalo. Uh, this schedule is brutal to start the season for the first month. So that's uh, they've got seven games now. you got three at home. That's 10, three on the road, 13. The first 15 games, you'll play four games at Amelie Arena, and you're playing some of the best teams in hockey at this point, including Buffalo, who you're going to play in Sweden, who's uh, playing really well right now under their new coach, Kruger. Um, doing extremely well. They're, they're playing really good hockey. Um, that team last year, if you remember, when Buffalo came to Emily Arena in mid to late November, Buffalo was a point ahead of the Lightning. They were actually in first place in the Eastern Conference, ahead of the Lightning as we approached Thanksgiving. It was right around Thanksgiving time. I don't, I don't remember the exact date, but then Buffalo fell apart. And, and I think for a lot of reasons. I think Phil Housley was absolutely the wrong coach for that team. Uh, I'm not sure Jason Botterell d- did that team any favors. It was a young team that had a lot of momentum early, and he should have went out and got them some help right then and there. And he waited instead, and then they went into a tailspin. And I think it was a, a badly coached team and a young team that didn't know how to win and how to handle success. And I think they needed some help. And Jason Botterell, their GM, didn't get them any. But anyway, that being said, is there's talent on that team. Uh, from Jack Eichel to uh, Rasmus Ristolainen, to uh, Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, they've got ta- Jeff Skinner's on that team. They've got talent on that team, and they're getting good goaltending play, too, from Carter Hutton. So Buffalo's going to be a good t- – that's going to be a tough challenge in, in Sweden. You're playing two games against them over there. Technically, one counts as a home game, one's a road game. But So your first 15 games, you play four at Amelie Arena. One of the games in Sweden is considered a home game, but I'm – you know – just like Bucks playing in London, that's considered a home game that they lost. But did they really lose at home? No. Um, so, in the competition you're playing too, is has been pretty tough for the first 15 games. So, you want to get through this stretch. And, and look, the Lightning won 62 games last year, and it didn't mean anything in the playoffs. You know, the goal is to win as many games as you can in the regular season. But realistically, I don't think that's the Lightning's concern right now. I think they want to play the game the right way. They want to keep building throughout this season. 
and, and you know get a good spot in the playoffs, but I don't think they're worried about trying to win every game. So through the first seven games, six of which are on the road, you've got nine points now through seven games. That's a pretty good stretch. That's a pretty good start to the season. And you've gone to Toronto. You've gone to Boston, uh, two of the better teams in the in the Eastern Conference as well, uh, and to Carolina, who's doing very well as well. So, uh, uh, you know, it's a good start for the Lightning so far to this season. It, it's not as hot as they were last year, but I don't think anyone cares about that. It's about the process. And you know who's leading the Lightning in goals this season? Kevin Shattenkirk. Well, he's tied for the lead, but... Who would have thought that through seven games, that Kevin Shattenkirk would be one of the Lightning's leaders in goal scored? And how well has he fit into this team? Uh, whether he's been playing with Victor Hedman, and, and of late he's played some with Ryan McDonough, as Eric Chernak's played some time with Victor Hedman now, as they're trying to figure out those defensive pairings. I mean, that's the other part about what they're doing right now in the season. So through the first seven games, you missed Braden Point for a couple of those games as well. Cedric Paquette still hasn't played yet. Now, he's on the mend, but not ready to play yet. So two of your four centers were missing to start the season. Um, you've elevated some people, so now Braden Point's back. But Braden Point is now your number one center with Stamkos and Kucherov on the wings. You moved Anthony Sorelli up to your number two center spot, which means he's progressed as he's matured and getting more. This is his third season now in the NHL. Tyler Johnson is now off the wing and back to center, so he's playing your third line center. And your fourth line is completely new at this point. I mean, right now it's it's Carter Verhage, it's Pat Maroon, and Luke Wachowski. So that's a complete new third line or fourth line on this team. Uh, n- none of those players were here last year, of course. Uh, Cedric Paquette will go back to centering the fourth line once he returns. But so and in the defensive pairings, you've lost Girardi and Strawman. So you're trying to figure out how does Shattenkirk fit in. You know, and who you're pairing him with. I mean, McDonough and Chernak, we know, is a lockdown pair. But who plays with Victor Hedman? And that's a tough role to play. I, 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 Anton Strawman's been one of my favorite Lightning players to watch since the time the Lightning signed him. And he's not flashy, but he just makes the simple plays, and he makes whoever's playing with him better. He handles it. And, you know, I, I really think he helped elevate Victor Hedman's game to even another level. And, and Victor Hedman's an all-world talent, and you know he was that before Strawman got there. But when you saw those two play together and how Anton – he could let Victor Hedman be more aggressive in the offensive zone because Victor knew Anton's got it behind me, that I can, go, I can push forward more and more and more than I ever did before in my career because how good Anton Strawman was at the back end at that point. And – that Anton Strawman, when Victor went forward, knew what his responsibilities was and never got caught too far up. He was always, he always, you know, covered, essentially covered Victor Hedman. It's planned that way. It's not like Victor goes off on his own. But Anton Strawman, in what he did for that back end of this team for the last few years, particularly when they first signed him and, and they paired him with Victor Hedman, was tremendous. Um, and it really helped Victor flourish. But that's a hard role to play. The, the the person who's playing next to Hedman, I know that you know they've they've tried Sergachev with Hedman, and I, I don't think that's the right fit because Sergachev is an offensive minded defenseman too. Um, even Shattenkirk with with Hedman, I don't think has been as effective as maybe you hoped. But Shattenkirk's an offensive minded defenseman. Chernak playing with Hedman, I, I think makes a lot of sense. Now the question is, do you want to break that up from McDonough because you know that's a lockdown pair, and by what they did last year and even how they started this season. But I think Chernak with 
Hedman probably makes more sense. They like that righty-lefty matchup. So I think it makes more sense for Chernak to play with Hedman because Chernak is responsible defensively and isn't going to jump up in the play as much. It allows Victor to do that more. And finding that finding that defensive pairing for Hedman and that makes his team best is the is one of the biggest things they need to do this regular season. And granted, it's a long season. You got time, but as you head to the, you know, as you hopefully head to the playoffs, and I, you know, I think most people believe the Lightning will make the playoffs. Is you want to figure out who can play with Hedman so that he can be the all-world player he is, and, and one of the best defensemen, if not the best defenseman in hockey. So, uh, I think look through seven games, they're, they've won four. They also have an overtime uh, loss. You're figuring out some things, and, and they've got a long way to go, particularly taking penalties, and I, that's still the when you're as highly skilled as the Lightning, you hate to see those penalties because it's two things. It's one, generally, you know, there are penalties that just occur in the course of play, but generally it's because you're either out of position or not making the right play, the smart play, which when you're that skilled, you shouldn't do. But it's also taking your skilled athletes off the ice. I mean, Stamkos will take some face-offs, but he's not out there. You don't have Braden Point on the penalty kill anymore. You don't have Nikita Kucherov. You don't play him on the penalty kill. So it's taking your best scorers, your best skilled position players, and they're not on the, they're not on the ice anymore. And when you take 10 penalties a game or, or five penalties a game, that's up to 10 minutes. That's up to a sixth of the game that you're taking your best line and your three best scorers off the ice, and they're not going to have a chance to to impact the game in that regard. So, you know, that's the part you really want to see cleaned up. And, and it, you know, you're going to have a game here and there, but it's 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 getting back to consistent. I mean, I think over the last three years, the Lightning have taken more minor penalties than any other team in hockey. I think last year they were third most, but I think if you look like over a three-year span, um, and I'd have to double-check that stat, but they're up there. If they're not the most over the last three years, they've taken, you know, close to the most. And, Look, it helps when you have Andre Vasilevsky behind you, and it's easier to take those penalties because generally he stands on his head and bails you out in those situations. But it's not what you want to do. You, you've got to make the smarter play, and you want to keep. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Your skilled position players on the ice more. USF got some bad news where Blake Barnett, senior quarterback, is going to undergo season-ending surgery on his ankle. He entered in the second half against uh, SMU, uh, not this past week, but a week ago. Uh, so his uh, USF career might be over, and his college football career might be over. He could pursue a medical redshirt. He's already taken a redshirt season when he was at Alabama. But understand, he's 24 years old. This is his third team. Uh you know, he may just decide, and he's got a he's got a 19 month old son as well, or he'll turn 24 in December, I should say. So uh, this might be the end of Blake Barnett's career. Um, you know, he was a highly recruited quarterback who was at Alabama, then went to Arizona State, 
and now is at USF and 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 played pretty well. Uh, you know, maybe hasn't lived up to the the expectations of when he came out of high school and when you're recruited by Alabama on that, but he's played pretty well. Uh, maybe wasn't the best quarterback this season to get USF where it needs to be uh, under Kerwin Bell's offense, and that's why Jordan McLeod's kind of taken over. But uh, you know, sorry, uh, you know, I always hate you always hate seeing a. Uh, an injury in someone's career like that, or potentially, as you know, as he said, he could apply for a medical red shirt. Um, but, uh, we'll, so we'll see what he decides to do Thursday night football. I didn't catch a ton of it, but the chiefs dominate the Broncos. The Broncos offense is awful. Um, just, they can't, they can't move the ball worth anything. Um, it, it, that's, that's hard to watch, um, that offense, um, and the chiefs win, but the bigger news is, as Patrick Mahomes leaves the game uh, early in the, the game, first half with a knee injury on a quarterback sneak, um, one of those Tom Brady specials, you need a half yard and you, you plow into the line and go behind your center and get it. Um, but he did something to his knee. Pro football talk last I've seen as I'm recording this says uh, it's a dislocated kneecap, but not a fracture. Um, so I don't know what, if, if that's true, I don't know what that time window means for him. Um, but Man, this is the year of the quarterbacks going down. Uh, and it just, you know, I know there's a lot of complaints right now in the NFL about refs and hits on quarterbacks and things like that. But just think about this Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Newton, Drew Brees, Nick Foles, Patrick Mahomes all out because of injury. That's five really good quarterbacks that. Aren't in, that aren't playing right now because of injury, and man, that hurts the NFL. You know, and and look, it's a contact sport; injuries happen all the time. But this league is so driven by quarterbacks that when injuries to quarterbacks happen, it hurts the game. It hurts. It hurts the fans. It hurts. It it it's bad for football. It's bad business, which is why they're protecting the quarterbacks the way they are, whether you agree with it or disagree. It's it's bad for business. It's bad for fans. It's bad for ratings. It's bad for ticket sales. It's you want to see stars play. I mean, that's one of the things in the NBA you have where uh, players taking rest days and not playing certain games because they're resting for the playoffs when they know they're going to make it and such. And, and and I understand it, but it's bad for the fans. So the NBA has rules against that now that you can't sit five starters in the same game just to rest everybody. Um, because they want stars out there. They need stars out there. Well, the NFL needs star quarterbacks out there. You can't have these guys going down to injury. You can't have them missing tons of games. Um, it's just bad for business and stuff. So you hate to see that with, with Patrick Mahomes, uh, obviously one of the brightest young quarterbacks in, in the NFL. Um, so we wish him the best. The Astros are wrapping up their game tonight over the Yankees to take a 3-1 series lead in the ALCS. They've won three straight games now after dropping the opener. But interesting column by John Romano today in the Tampa Bay Times uh, talking about how the Rays' innovation of the opener and bullpen days and not having pitchers face hitters more than twice in a game and most of the time nobody's facing them more than once and having hitters seeing, you know, if you go to the plate four or five times, you're going to see four or five different pitchers. You're not going to hit the same pitcher twice and how it's really innovated baseball and changed baseball. And for the most part, it's worked. But these playoffs are showing that it's still about the ace. Um, we know the Nationals are in the World Series. Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg have had tremendous postseasons. The, the Nationals are 6-0 and in the games they start. The Astros are 5-1 and in the games that Verlander and Garrett Cole start. The only loss being to the Rays in that bullpen day that Diego Castillo started, and then the Rays got to Verlander. 
that's the only game that the Astros have lost when when those two starters are going. And it's looking like we're going to get an Astros Nationals World Series, which when you start seeing Scherzer and Strasburg going up against Verlander and Cole, wow. I mean, that is that is exciting matchups. And, and the Rays, look, and, and we talked about this with Mark Topkin a couple days ago. The Rays have innovated with the opener in that. And a lot of people think they do it because they want to change baseball. They do it because they had to. And, you know, it's, it kind of started last season. And they didn't start at the beginning of the season. But they were going to do bullpen days to start the season last year. And But Brent Honeywell goes down right before the season starts. And uh, Jose De Leon goes down right before the season starts. And all of a sudden, you went from having four starters down to two or three. And... So you did bullpen days, and the opener didn't actually come into effect till mid-May of 2018 when they officially had Sergio Romo go out there to open and then a, a longer pitcher come in next, which was the birth of the opener, so to speak. And then Ryan Stanek kind of you know took it to another level. But ace pitching still – look, good pitching can beat good hitting most nights. And – that's what this playoffs is showing is as much as the A's and the Rays and, you know, the, the Yankees, the problem in this series is their starting pitching isn't that good. Um, they have a lockdown A bullpen, but if you can't get to the A bullpen, what good does it do you? Um, and, I, you know, I think that's one thing the, the, a, the, or the Yankees are going to look to upgrade this offseason is they need help starting pitching. And CeCe Sabathia, I should mention, of course, is retiring this year. Uh, his career is probably done tonight. Uh, he left the game, I believe it was in the seventh inning. Um, looked like he hurt his shoulder, uh, making a pitch and, uh, then tried to practice pitch after that and walked off the field, uh, to a, a great ovation from the fans there. And a lot of the Astros players even saluting him. Um, uh, but looks like based on the injury or being a shoulder and having pitched tonight, unless the Yankees come back and, and can win three straight and then make it to the World Series, maybe Sabathia can come back because I don't, I don't know what the injury is. But odds are that was probably the last time we'll see CC Sabathia on a mound tonight. But the, the article by John Romano talks about how, you know, just how the Aces are dominating in this postseason. And it's still, you know, it's hard for the Rays to compete in that world because most of those pitchers are making big-time bucks. But – to be honest, and, and if you think about next year, if you can get your pitchers healthy through the season, and Charlie Morton's going to be a year older, and we'll see how Glass now and Snell come off injuries, but if two of those three can become locked down by postseason time and are pitching really well late in the season, you like your chances next year in the postseason if the Rays make it there. I mean, Blake Snell is the reigning Cy Young Award winner. Obviously, he won't win it this year. Tyler Glass now was the AL Pitcher of the Month to start the year in April and until he got hurt. And even, in, you know, once he came back, he was showing you a lot of good stuff outside of tipping pitches. When he's not tipping pitches, he did really well. And Charlie Morton had a tremendous season and was the ace of this team and co-MVP. And so, you know, you never know what next season is going to bring. And you hope that Brett Honeywell's back next year and pitching well. Anthony Bonda, uh, you know, Yanni Chirinos and Ryan Yarbrough pitched very well a lot of this season is, you know, the Rays may not, while they've innovated baseball and created this opener strategy and other teams are now starting to use it on occasion. And, and Mark says, look, even if they have five or six good starters next year, he thinks they'll still use it occasionally um, either to give starters a rest and, and give them an extra day rest potentially, or just to throw off the other team. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think you saw on that bullpen day versus Verlander, 
the Astros were thrown off that every hitter who came up was never faced the same pitcher twice. And I think that that throws the hitters off a lot. I mean, one of the things hitters do is, okay, here's the first at bat and I'm going to learn from this and the second at bat and third. And by the time I get to the third at bat, I've seen everything you've thrown. I know everything you're going to do. So now it's just trying to figure out, you know, what I think you're going to do and, and be ready for that. But when you don't face the same pitcher every time, it, it does throw the hitters off. I mean, if you remember back in, in May of 18 when they faced the Angels, uh, it was Zach Cozart, I think, was the most vocal at the time. But, you know, this is horrible. And, you know, I, I faced this guy the first inning, and then the next time I'm up, I'm facing somebody else. And that's not baseball. And, and that's, you know... If you if you don't like if you want a starter to go seven innings and that's the only way you ever want to see baseball, fine. You can dislike the opener, but what the Rays were doing was disrupting the other team and trying to gain an advantage by throwing off the other team's hitters that don't like that and and, and that's not the way they prepare for a game and, and want the game to go. They want to they want to know okay, I'm facing this pitcher, I'm going to face him three times tonight. That's that's how hitters want to go into the game to prepare now things happen and that doesn't always work out that way if you knock them out of the game early etc but for the most part that's how you plan a game and so the opener strategy has really taken that to kind of a it's it's throwing the hitters off and and I think you know some adapt to it some don't and I think that's why they that's why it works as a whole and you know but you also have to have the the good enough pitchers and and that's the thing with the Rays is as we've learned their bullpen's good enough to do that too I mean you can't just do it just to do it You've got to have the bullpen and the arms and the buy-in from everyone to get that done. Before I go for the night and for the week, uh, Buck North had tweeted us earlier today uh, based on our conversation with Matt Baker yesterday for college football and asked what college football stadiums are on our bucket list. And it's a really good question. I'm a big college football fan. So I I grew up in uh, Midwest and Northwest Ohio, uh, right in the middle of the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. Uh, So college football was, was, that was, that was my favorite sport to watch growing up. That's the one I grew up in. I loved living in the Midwest uh, growing up because you could go to stadiums all over the place. I've been to Ohio Stadium, and I've been to Michigan, and I've been to Indiana and Purdue and, and Minnesota and Wisconsin. And, you know, I've been to a lot of, you know, Cincinnati. Of course, that's, that was my alma mater. But I've been to Miami of Ohio. I've been to, you know, just games all over the Midwest. I love I love being able to go to so many places, uh, but it was a it was a fun question. I know Matt Baker chimed in too. Uh, Notre Dame is obviously I I grew up in the Midwest, lived in the Midwest, and I've never been to Notre Dame Stadium. And I wish I, I wish I would have gone. I need to get up there at some point. Um, I, I've been to Alabama. Um, I want to go to LSU. Um, that's on my bucket list. The Rose Bowl would be one that. Um, that I want to see the USC uh, just being at the LA Coliseum, you know, and you can see a pro game there too, but I'd love to go see USC play out there. I'd love to go to Texas A&M and see the 12th man there. Um, I think that would be a fun one. I've been to the swamp. I've been to, of course, USF and UCF. I've not make it. I've not made it to Doak yet. I need to, to get up to Florida state. I'd like them to be a little better team when I get up there. So maybe I'm kind of waiting for that. Um, but I'd like to go see there. I'd like to see Texas and Oklahoma, both of them. And, and I wouldn't mind seeing them in the, the red river shootout too. So that's obviously at a neutral stadium, but, um, I, 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 I love college football. So, I mean, those are some of my uh, Oregon's one that's on my bucket list. Um, just cause you hear how loud it gets there. And I know it's not as big of a stadium, but, um, how loud it gets and such. So, um, but I, I love going to, I love the college football experience. Um, 
Uh, got to go to Wisconsin about 10 years ago, and that was just a phenomenal experience. I grew up going to Michigan games in Ann Arbor, and I've been to a lot of Ohio State games as well. Tremendous places to watch games and tremendous fan bases. And just, I love the college. I, I've, got, I've gone to, you know, the swamp a couple times and loved it up there. Uh, you know, college football is just great. But I'd love to hear from you. What what are your what stadiums on your bucket list? What would you like to see college football? Um, I, I just I think I, I just think the college game. I, you know, I love pro football and and we'll go to pro football anywhere. But the the environment around college football, the whole, all day of tailgating and that, I just think it's a different experience in the NFL, and it's it's one I enjoy and and grew up around. So. I always love that, but I'd love to hear you tweet us at Sports Day Tampa Bay. You can tweet me at Steve Versnick or or Matt Baker at M Baker TB Times. Uh, he'd love to hear from you too, or Rick Stroud at NFL Stroud. So I uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I know it's a little shorter than normal, but uh, Rick uh, had some things come up and couldn't uh, be with us tonight. So, but he is back in town. Uh, he will be on the podcast on Monday, and we'll have a, a brand new week of shows next week for you. So. I uh, hope you've enjoyed uh, this week. Uh, we heard from what Mark Topkin, Matt Baker, heard from Tom Jones was on the podcast. So, again, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, please let us know your thoughts on, on either college football stadiums or even the podcast itself. We'd love to hear from you. So, for Rick Stroud, I'm Steve Versnick. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.